0: Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, you are, uh, you're great. You're great. And uh, a lot of us, uh, truthfully, really don't realize your, your gratefulness. Uh, we get into uh, life and we really want control. We want to control our life. Uh, we fall into a pit. Uh, a lot of folks uh, struggle with depression. We medicate ourselves with good times, um, with our chosen concoctions, and uh, we just, you know, truthfully, we forget you're great. We forget Romans eight twenty-eight. We forget the uh, the totality of your word. We forget John three sixteen. We forget John three seventeen. We or maybe we just don't even know it. Thank you that we can be a church that proclaims your greatness, uh, yet also proclaims your greatness uh, in the midst of uncertainty, uh, in the midst of confusion, uh, in the midst of depression, uh, in the midst of sin, uh, in the midst of facing death, that you are great and you are Lord and you are here and you abide uh, in many believers here. And if you don't abide, then we pray for those individuals that you may change their life. And we are thankful that that can happen in a moment by your power. And so we claim that power for lives here, for this church, uh, for churches in this city, uh, that they may not compete but may be connected for your kingdom and for our world. As we watch the news globally or nationally, that you're still Lord, you still reign, you're not just simply Savior Jesus, you're King Jesus. We'll celebrate that maybe more in full Easter, but really every Sunday should be Easter. And so we give you thanks and praise, and uh, may we see uh, your glory uh, here today. In your name we pray, amen. Thank you all. Have a seat, and you can turn with me uh, in John chapter 14, uh, looking, reading through a... Not just a famous passage if you're a Christian, but a, a very important passage. We'll read verse 1 through 11, but before then, uh, simply to let you know kind of what we're doing today and, and through Lent, Lent the 40 days before Easter, uh, we're in this series that we call He Is, He Is, and it's based on seven statements Jesus made in the Gospel of John where Jesus said, I am. He said, I am. The bread of life. He said, I am the door. I am the good shepherd. Today we'll look at, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And we'll close this series Easter morning and say, He is risen. Because He is risen. But we're going through these statements that Jesus said. And He said, I am, so we say He is. Uh, And our goal, as I've said every Sunday and we all up to Easter, our goal is that we would see and savor Jesus to see and savor him. And, you know, you can see in two different ways. One, we can see, like, visually. Uh, I'm not an eye doctor, but I know I think we have something called retinas, right? Doctors in there? You got <laughs> retinas. So you see visually, but also you see to understand. Like you say, oh, I see. I see. That's how, um, you know, Jesus says, you know, some who are blind, you know, will see. And so I'm talking about, I want us to understand, like, more of what Jesus says. Has done, what he's doing, right now, and to savor it, to savor it. You know, I'll I'll be honest. When I hear the word, say the word, savor, I just always think of a steak. I mean, I do. I mean, just always think a steak at Shapley's, You know, you know, we get to go there once a year, okay? You know, for our anniversary, that's our special. But I love, and I'll savor that steak. And do we savor? I mean, there's a there's a difference in that. Okay, I see Jesus. Oh, I know Jesus, but you savor, like, man. Isn't it awesome, like what Jesus has done? Isn't it awesome that we get heaven? I mean, we're so inoculated with, like, Sunday school stuff. I mean, we really don't savor it. And so the goal, prayerfully, not anything we can do or I can do, but prayerfully we would see and savor Jesus more. Now, I've also said this. I, I want to confront our challenges because they are many to see and savor Jesus. As I've already talked about, there is the, uh, oh, I know the facts, And like I've talked about, I know the Facebook facts, you know, you know, we got thousands of friends on Facebook, but I mean, how many friends do we really have? And, you know, you can see, I I know where they were born, when they were born, for some folks, Uh, you know, who they're married to, you know, what they do. And we like, we get the Facebook facts of Jesus and we think, oh, I I know Jesus. And we don't. Uh, There's also a posture that we can come in that uh, just, I call it the posture of no, like just... You know, I'm just, Lord, I'm just bitter, just no, whatever you got, no, God. And we can come into church with that posture. I know you're going to say, well, why would folks like that come to church? Well, they do. You know, I believe the Lord leads them here, that the Holy Spirit overwhelms them, but sometimes it's this posture of no. Uh, and then there's just, there's sin in our hearts. Uh, and then Satan's whispering in our ear, um, you know, it could be, you know, football season's over. You know, you got the, I don't know, SEC championship game today. You know, whisper in our ear for a guy or whisper in our ear about lunch or whisper in our ear about spring break week or whisper in our ear about, well, you know, didn't get to go anywhere or whatever it is. So we've got these competing forces. Uh, and then I call it just our social life. And I'm not talking about being social. I'm just talking about in relationship with others. Uh, that Satan and sin uses them to, to pull us down. Uh, to not see and savor Jesus. Man, there are a lot of challenges. There there are a lot of challenges. Thankfully, uh, the Lord is over all that. I mean, he reigns supreme. He is king. The Holy Spirit is supernatural and all-powerful. Yet, I think we need to know the challenges that we face, and we do. So today, we are going over again. It's uh, It's a famous verse, John 14, 6, where Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And, you know, what's always been fascinating about this verse to me and to many others is that that most folks think, like, oh, it's so exclusive. Because Jesus says, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. So he's not saying there there are many ways or there are many truths or there are many lives that you could have that would lead you to God. Because at the end of the verse, he says, the only way to the Father is by me. But a lot of folks, maybe not in Jackson, Mississippi, maybe not in the buckle of the Bible Belt, but but a lot of folks would be like, that's so exclusive. I mean, there there are many ways to find God. Uh, There are many ways to a life, or your best life, or your best life, now however you want to call it. There are many ways. Where Jesus says, no, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And yet, I think when you really get into this, it's not exclusive it is very, very, what I would call practical. Practical. Because you would see it like, oh, it's about heaven and, and soul or being saved or, or getting there. But it's, it's very practical about life today, like our life now. So I hope that we will see that. Let's read verse uh, 1 through 11, uh, verse 6 in the middle of this. But let's, let's take some context. John 14, starting with verse 1. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. And you know the way to where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or else believe on account of the works themselves. Okay, let's stop there. So here's what I want to try to do today. Take a statement and... Jesus saying, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And I want to try to show us, to help us all see uh, that that is true. And some of you may be here believing, like, man, man I, I got that. I mean, I am in. I, I know it. Uh, not just Sunday school answer, but I believe that's great. I want us to see it in, in a deeper way. I want to see it and understand it even more uh, that impacts our life for today and tomorrow and through Easter and weeks ahead. I want us to see differently. Now it begins, and, and the reason I say this is so practical is because Jesus says, "Don't let your hearts be troubled." It's practical because its starting point is you have a troubled heart, disciples. So if you're a believer here, Jesus might be saying to you, "Okay, good," but you have a troubled heart, disciple, follower of me. Or if you're a non-believer here, you have a troubled heart. Uh, all of us have what I call heart turmoil. Like it's uh, you know a statement I said Augustine. Not that you got to know who Augustine is, but Augustine said our Restless until we find our rest in thee, Lord. So we all got this heart turmoil. And Jesus says, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. Very key there that it does start with belief, with faith. We were talking in our, uh, our basic belief doctrine class. begins with belief. Belief leads to repentance. But it begins with belief that I do believe this. But you've got to believe a lot more than just say John 14, 6. So you might say, well, what do I believe? Or what should I believe? Or break John 14, 6 down so that, that I would believe more. Because, you know, my life is in the gutter, or my life's headed to pot, or maybe I'm smoking pot and can't get off it. I don't know. I wasn't planning to say that. Hopefully, y'all aren't hitting the pot. But you might. If you are, I'm glad you're here. Anyway. John 14, 6, you say, like, help me, believe more. So I would say this passage speaks to our past life, our future life, and our present life, and why our hearts should not be troubled at all. There is sin, there is Satan. This passage speaks why our hearts would not be troubled. So, like, why? Why in the past? Well, look what Jesus says. He says, in my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? That's an interesting verse. Uh, I love that verse. A lot of us love that verse because it says, like, well, you know, their their mansions or their rooms or Jesus is going to prepare a place for us, you know, perfect house, dream house, dream room. And that's often how we see it. Here's what I would ask. Why does Jesus have to go prepare a place for us in heaven? Think about it. Like, isn't heaven perfect? What needs to be prepared in heaven? Why why would Jesus have to go say, it's not ready just yet. Uh, Let me go. I'll fix it up. It'll be just right for you. Why would he say that? This is for our past, okay? For your past if you're a Christian. If you become a Christian today, for your past as a Christian again. uh, For our past and what Jesus has done. This is pre-cross. This is actually the night of the Lord's Supper. Jesus has just told his disciples, I'm going away. He just told Peter, you're going to deny me. Peter says, no, 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 like we all do. He said, I never deny you, Jesus. We deny him. All of us are, a lot of us are like Peter. So he's saying, this is going to happen, but I'm going to go prepare a place for you. It is before the crucifixion. We've talked about this. If you know Christianity... It really comes this. Somebody had to die for us to have that place. For us to be saved, a life had to be given. Who gave his life? Who? I Who said that? Jesus. Jesus gave his life. So before the cross, Jesus says, I am going to prepare a way for you, a place for you. How did he do that? It wasn't like he was going to heaven and like getting the vacuum cleaner out, you know, like, you know, my wife tries to get me to do, but she does a much better job than I do. But, you know, she's like, I mean, you do. But, you know, I, I do it as often I can. But anyway, he's not like I'm going to heaven, I'm preparing, I'm setting it up. He's saying I'm going to the cross. Because, and this is Christianity, it's like you're not going to have a way unless I go to the cross. And so the first reason your heart ought not be troubled is that Jesus saves us. What does he save us from? Well, he saves us from uh, the sin that corrupts and entangles uh, the death that we're facing even though we still live in a fallen world and the remnants of Genesis 3. He defeats sin, death, and Satan on the cross. So, one way your heart shouldn't be troubled is like I, I say this often, like I deserve death and hell and Jesus got what I deserve and I get what he deserves. It's called the great exchange. It's one of the the basic truths of Christianity is that if you're a Christian, you get what Jesus deserved, He got what you deserve. And so your heart ought not be troubled because it is finished, as we'll say, Easter, Good Friday, it, it is done. He's done it. But you got to believe that. Uh, one great verse, put it up on screen if you would, uh, John 20, 31. Uh, look at that. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. So it starts in the past, what Jesus has done. And by believing, you may have life in his name. Life abundantly. You're like, well, How do I, okay, I got that. She was going say, I, I got that. Thank you, Lord. You saved me from my sin. Thank you, I get this room in heaven. You've done it. But it's still kind of going to hell on earth. So I need a little bit more help about, because my heart's still in turmoil. So let's go to the future, okay? Then Jesus says, look at this, verse 3. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. Jesus is very clear there. He says, I'm not going to leave you. I'm going to come again. I'm going to take you to where I am. Which is, Where's Jesus right now? Jesus right now is in heaven. Jesus right now is in heaven. Uh, what's heaven like? We had a great discussion in our youth uh, group last week about heaven and, but the bottom line about heaven is, heaven is where Jesus is. So right now, Jesus is in heaven. Holy Spirit's here with us. And they're one, Father, Son, Spirit. But Jesus is in heaven. There will be a day, and I say this and I believe it, and just look at Revelation 20. The clouds will split open. Jesus will come, King Jesus, on a white horse. I believe that literally, okay? And the heavens and the earth will unite. Where heaven is, Jesus will be. And the heavens and earth will be together. But Jesus says here, I'm going to take you where I am. So he will take us to heaven. For our future, if you're a Christian, if you're in Christ, is in heaven. Look at another verse, 1 Thessalonians 4, 16 and 17. If you don't want to flip, just make a note of it. Paul says here, for the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. And, Jesus coming down, the dead will rise. Some of you may not have heard this. You may not believe it. It is biblical. It is biblical Christianity. That not only will our souls and spirits rise to heaven, but when Jesus descends, and I don't want to get into the molecular structure of this. I mean, that's for doctors. But bodies will rise too. And there will be a new body, just like there's a new heaven and a new earth. So past it's done. Future, this is what will be. And how we will live. And like I say, you know, if you have, and I've had this, this limited vision of our life as, you know, Lord willing, let's say 90 years here, God sees it in a much bigger vision of an eternal life where there's this scope uh, and beauty uh, and power and things that you're called to do in heaven. We talked about that last week in Youth. And it's a great adventure, as C.S. Lewis wrote over and over about in his books. He wasn't just talking about an earthly life, he's talking about eternal life. It is an adventure. And eternal life starts when your heart is baptized by the Holy Spirit. That's a beautiful thing. It's a great thing. So that's our, that's our future. Now you're saying, okay, past, done, future, great, I got heaven. Heart's still in turmoil. I mean, you know, son, daughter still adrift, um, you know, looking towards possibly a divorce, financially struggle, hadn't really found my purpose. Heart's still in turmoil. I mean, come on, man, what, what you got? And I would say this passage speaks a lot to our, our present, right now, right, right here. Because then it goes on, verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Then he goes on, Jesus says seven times. You could read through it, count it. He says seven times, I am God. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And and here's the deal for our present. See, and, and this is the, this can be the challenge, again, for us raised in church, Sunday school. We're like, you know, it's, it's kind of the, the yeah, yeah, Jesus. We hear that? Jesus says, you know, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. If you've seen me, you've seen Creator of all. If you've seen me, you've seen God. And we're like, yeah, yeah, I got that. Heart's still in turmoil. And this is where this posture of receptivity, of receiving, has to come in. They're like, okay, I'm going to, be open to God's word. I'm going to be open to you, King Jesus, that I'll receive what you have to say. And so you're saying that you are God. And now you're saying this, uh, if you count seven times, I am in the Father, the Father is me. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me. How do you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe? Again, I am in the Father, and the Father is in me. Jesus is saying you see God. Now you're saying, like, okay, my heart's still in turmoil. I mean, what's the deal here? There are two ways of knowing something, like to know. There, there is the knowledge part, uh, and then there's the personal part. Like you could say to someone, um, you could say, use my wife for example. She doesn't know I'm doing this. She may not love it. but she may, You know, rewind 13 years, I meet her, I think she's cute. I don't know what she thinks of me, but I think she's cute. And I say, you know. Okay, I know that. Uh, just heard her story. She was uh, she was born in Singapore. Her dad's from California. she's raised in Holland. Those are some Facebook facts. But uh, then I say, no, I want to want to get to know you. Did I say that? Not really. <laughs> kind of sort of. Okay, but I, but I would say I want to get to know you. Yeah, yeah. I get to know you. And so she said, and she did say, yes. Okay, you can get to know me, and we'll see how it goes. And so. Now, if I said, like, uh, she might say at that point, um, yeah, you can, but you can't get to know me here. She wouldn't say it like that. Why don't we have coffee? And then what if I said, no, I want to get to know you right here, okay? You know, that's, that's done, right? I mean, not good. I mean, right? Maybe I'm off there. Would you say if, guys or girls, if you want to get to know someone and you say, I want to get to know you, hey, oh, I want to get to know you right now, you know, that doesn't really work, does it? No. So, there is a, there's a way that we engage personally uh, to get to know someone. Uh, now, I would say this on God's end, it's the other way around. God came to us. God said, I want to, not only did I create you, I want to get to know you, and I want you to know me in an intimate way, in a very, very real way. And what we so often work with, and why our hearts are in such turmoil often, is that we, we know the knowledge part of God. And we don't say, hey, I want to get to know you personally, God. And we don't see that God is allowing us to say, man, just come to me. Really, anytime, any place, rise with God time in the morning, at church, uh, in your car, I mean, listen, music or a podcast. that he is wide open and he wants us to know him personally. And the fault uh, of so many Christians, I mean, why things are like on the skids, is that we rely on the book knowledge or the facts and we lose this personal, relational connection with God. And here Jesus is saying, I'm God. And not only is he saying this in his word, but he came to us as a person. He died for us. So you're like, well, my my heart, you know, it's it's, it's still like in turmoil. And and I'm saying to you, and this is where, man, the spirit's got to work. You know, God's arms are wide open, you know, saw it on the cross. And he's saying, come to me. I don't want to just, I don't want you to just know me on the facts or the knowledge. I want you to know me personally. So, I mean, I would say, I mean, how much time do we, do we give to the Lord in prayer? Uh, how much time uh, do we, are we in God's word and being receptive? Uh, how much time are we, like, really in, in community and really like working at community, because community is tough. We say family, that's real nice, real hard, real hard. Uh, I mean, there are problems, there are relationships, but really in prayer that the Lord works in the midst of this. And, it get, and to live personally with Jesus. Because I think if you live personally with Jesus, man, he starts, starts changing you, starts convicting you. Miracles do happen, and it starts with your own heart. You know, you start forgiving people. And I always say this, you know, forgiving always comes at a cost. I mean, you look on the cross, and y'all really need to hear this, because one of the the biggest challenges of the heart turmoil stuff is unforgiveness. Can I, like, dramatize that enough? It is really (laughs) big. See, what happens in forgiveness when God forgave us, Somebody absorbed the cost. Jesus. So what happens is if you're like in this issue and there's someone and you need to forgive and you're convicted to forgive and you're like, you don't say it like this, but like, you know, if your mind's on the screen, you like, you know, I'm not going to forgive, I'm not going to forgive. To forgive, you got to absorb the cost. It's hard to do. It's a super, It's a miracle. Anytime you really forgive, a miracle occurs. So when you forgive, you absorb the pain that they don't like own themselves and you said, I know you're off, but I'm going to take that cost and that pain, and, and I will forgive and extend. The only way that truly happens is, is by the Holy Spirit, by knowing Jesus in a personal way, by the practical, by the very present today, tonight, this week. That's how it happens. Now, you, you could say, okay, you know, heart's still in turmoil, you know, still got, still got issues because that's great Jesus said that. And, oh, that's great that Jesus is God. But Jesus ain't here. You just said he's in heaven. And you, I got all these problems. I mean, like, that's great Jesus is God, but he's not here. You said he's coming in the clouds, but, I mean, I'm still feeling lonely. Feeling isolated. Big trap of the devil. And then look, and this is good news, great news for everybody. That we need to hear over and over again. Skip down verse 16 through 18. I'm going to put this up on screen. Look what Jesus says. He says, I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Amen. Thank you, maybe. Amen, because Jesus left the disciples then physically so he could be with all his disciples year upon year, century after century, spiritually, forever, by the Holy Spirit. Let me say that again. I've always thought it's a fascinating verse. He says, the helper will be with you. I will not leave you as orphans. Later on, he said, It's better that I go so the Spirit will come. Oh, he said, It's better that Jesus to go, the Spirit will come. Jesus leaves the 12 or the 70 or the 120 physically so he can be with all believers across the world in India, in Italy, in Honduras, church down the road, spiritually forever. And that's a miracle. So the Spirit is is here. And Jesus is with us. So you have uh, at your fingertips, you know, looking at divorce, looking at broken relationship, uh, looking at lies someone said to you, looking at bankruptcy. You know, pick your poison. You have uh, the creator, sustainer, savior of the universe, king of kings, lord of lords, who is here and who is there for you, one. You have his presence uh, in his church, two. Uh, You have life everlasting and life abundantly. Uh, we We have everything that we would want or need. You just may not have realized it yet. And everything that we want or need is so much more than uh, the relationship isolation because he's there and his church should be there. Then like the, the money or the needs because he will fulfill you and sustain you much more than anything else. And just ask people, you know, we did a couple quotes a few weeks ago. Jim Carrey, who is funny. I don't think he's the greatest actor. Of course, he would deny that with me. And then Tom Brady, who, I mean, I like the quarterbacks, but they say, hey, we got it all. And wish people would see it's not all that it cracked up to be. There is something, there is this void in every life. And it's a void for Jesus Christ. And so I would say, in closing today, and and some of you may still be like, heart turmoil, you know, still got it. You know, still facing blankety-blankety-blank. Jesus heals. Jesus sustains. Jesus saves. And if you don't have him, you will always be searching. Uh, And he gives life. And he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And often, for some of us, often it's like, well, my way, way, I know the way to life is like kind of a picture-perfect family and my version of white picket fence and maybe a couple second homes and trips wherever I want to go and perfect career. And oh, I could actually use Jesus here to get that. I can do that. And then it'll still be a void. <laughs> Two weeks to Easter. You're going to see the cross here. See baptisms. I implore you. I beg you. Everything else going on in your life. Uh, not to come to church. But to come to Jesus. Go to him. You know I've heard other folks say test me. Try me. As in like test Jesus. Try Jesus. Do that if you have to. Just go to Jesus. Uh, His word. Rise with God. In prayer. It's personal. Not just knowing. The way, the truth, and the life. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I I know the hurts that a lot of folks in here have. Um, I know the felt needs. And there is no five-step prescription or solution. There's a one-step. It's go to Jesus Christ. With a receptive heart, with a receiving heart, and he will heal the heart and make the heart new. I pray uh, that that would happen daily, and I pray it would happen today. Uh, as we worship, uh, may we see with eyes, uh, not just visually, but like understand the power. And may we know that people give their lives readily for this word that was proclaimed, for this word that I hold in my hands. They have seen, they have understood. And they see that life is so much more than the hopeful 90 years or whatever it is. Lord, give us that life that we would come to you and then go to the world with good news and walk in your authority and your power and your humility. In Jesus' name, amen.